Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. You know, early on in the course of the Trump presidency, as information would come out about the conduct of certain officials at the FBI, among other agencies and departments, I said these people were dirty cops, that they were bad cops. I also said over and over again that the vast majority of people who work at the FBI are good patriotic men and women. And that's the same with our intelligence services. But when a bad cop does something bad, he does great damage, great damage to the community, to the society, and to the organization to which he or she is attached. And that's exactly what's happened here in Minnesota, St. Paul. You have a man, George Floyd, and I've been waiting to watch this, to digest this, to consume all the information I can get, but publicly the information has not changed. He will have his constitutional rights, that is the police officers. But I'm not a grand juror, I'm not a prosecutor here, I'm not part of the FBI, and I'm looking at it as a citizen. If a man here who committed no violent offense, was by all accounts a good man. None of us are perfect, but a good man. And uh, what we see is that he was cuffed on the ground, face down, knee on the back of his neck, which is extraordinarily vulnerable, with the full weight of the officer, with his knee on the back of the neck of Mr. Floyd. Mr. Floyd says, I can't breathe. Mr. Floyd says, they're killing me. And Mr. Floyd died from that act. That's what we see on the video. Now, we don't know what happened before. We'll find out what happened before. But this case, to me, is utterly indefensible. Oh, we'll have a defense, the officer. But when you have somebody on the ground, handcuffed, face down, 
you don't have to put your knee on the back of their neck with your full weight. You're going to snap that man's neck. You're going to close that man's esophagus. Whatever you do, you're going to do grave damage. And they did grave damage to Mr. Floyd. He died. Ninety-nine percent of police officers in this country are great patriots and heroes of all races in all communities. And I bet they're disgusted by this. I'll bet they're furious. Because they know that what took place here is terrible. And it is terrible. It's horrendous. Now, what you have here is the full strength and resources and personnel. The Minnesota County Prosecutor, the Minnesota Police Department, of state law enforcement, the United States Department of Justice, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the Attorney General of the United States, and the President of the United States, all of whom immediately, immediately took steps to address this. There was no delay, there was no daylight. Immediately. That's how horrendous that video is. Now, of course, we have a constitution. And this police officer and the other three who were with him and apparently didn't raise a finger to stop him, they're all going to face the music. They're all going to face the music. But they have a right to a defense. They have a right to due process. They have the same rights as everybody else has. But what was done to this man, as I observe it, Mr. Floyd, was unconscionable. They're going to have a very difficult time with their defense. Absolutely unconscionable. And that is why I am proud that other law enforcement officials local police officials, state police officials, federal police officials, investigators, and prosecutors are aggressively, swiftly, and it looks like meticulously pursuing this. That's the way it's supposed to be. Any human being who looks at that man on the ground with another man with his knee on the back of his neck pleading that he can't breathe pleading that he's being killed you can't have a conscience a soul, a heart I can't imagine what this poor man near the end what was going through his mind what was going through his mind. 
I don't care what they quote-unquote dig up on him. Well, you know, he, he once stole a loaf of bread. That, that doesn't excuse anything. And by the way, I don't know that to be true. I just know how this works with the media. I just know how this works. Mr. Floyd didn't deserve to die, let alone in that way. And when a bad cop does something like this, or in this case for them, but one in particular, he does enormous damage to the reputation of law enforcement. And he does enormous damage, in this case, to our country. Period. Period. Now, these police officers were fired, but I hear commentators saying that's not good enough. They need to be immediately arrested. They're going to be arrested. Why does it matter if they're arrested today, tomorrow, or the next day? You know, you can screw up a case like this, too. I would tell these commentators with no background whatsoever. You can screw up an open and shut case if you do stupid things. And they don't want to screw up this case. And they better not screw up this case. And from what I see, they are being meticulous. And the coordination between local police officers, state investigators, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, I'm sure the Civil Rights Department or the Justice Department, the coordination between the local prosecutor, the U.S. Attorney's Office, and the Attorney General's Office looks to be exquisite. This is exactly the way a just and civil society is supposed to conduct itself. Exactly the way it's supposed to conduct itself. Now, people are looting, people are rioting. People are looting, people are rioting. Not protesting like many of you have done over the past few weeks, not protesting, which they have every right to do, and should do, if they're concerned about what's taking place. But burning down buildings, stealing televisions and clothing out of a target, these are hoodlums, not protesters. They deserve no quarter whatsoever. None whatsoever. Somebody else can get killed. Somebody else can be horribly injured. You don't get to unleash against other citizens or groups of citizens. That's not how you get to direct your anger. Or this nation cannot survive. Anybody caught on videotape setting things on fire or stealing or beating other people like an old lady in a wheelchair who was apparently beat, they need to be apprehended. 
and charged as well. Whether it's in Minneapolis or St. Paul or Los Angeles. This is not a free ticket for anarchy. Quite the opposite. Quite the opposite. The rule of law is the glue that keeps this society together. As long as it's a just rule of law. A constitutional rule of law. Which is why so far I am so proud of the response by law enforcement, by prosecutors, by our president, by our attorney general, by so many others. Immediate response to this. And disgusted with the looters and the rioters. Disgusted with them. Now, I have a lot more to say about this. I'll be right back. At Hillsdale College, faith and learning are integrated in pursuit of a common end. And I've been talking a lot about four pillars of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Today, I'd like to focus on faith. As the founders of our nation knew, God is indeed the first authority and the motive toward which all learning moves. Hillsdale understands that we come to really know things through reason and faith. And their students are taught to pursue truth through both. Founded in 1844 by Christians, students of all faiths are welcome at Hillsdale College and always have been. How does the college teach the essentials of the Christian faith and religion, all students must take a course, the Western theological tradition, as part of Hillsdale's rigorous core curriculum. The college also offers majors in religion, philosophy and religion, and Christian studies. Hillsdale's campus is a welcoming place in which to discuss and practice faith. Respectful dialogue among Christians of different denominations and with students of non-Christian faiths is just one hallmark of this stellar college. Now to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levinforhillsdale.com. As my friend Daniel Horowitz points out at Conservative Review, when thousands of rioters burn down private businesses and even violently attack a woman in a wheelchair in response to an abhorrent act committed by one police officer, it is clear that the George Floyd riots are not about justice as shown by the viral footage of the Minneapolis riots and the attacks on L.A. police officers yesterday. But what exposes this so-called movement is nothing but a dangerous anarchist mob, more than when and how they act, is when they fail to protest and actually remain silent, when even more black lives are at stake, he says. The act of the officer who placed his knee on George Floyd's neck for several minutes after he was completely neutralized and couldn't move is obviously indefensible. As with every criminal act that leads to murder, he should be punished to the fullest extent of the law. But why is it we never heard on the news about the endless trend of cop ambushes and executions at the hands of violent criminals in recent months? Why do we never hear about the cases where cops engage in near-suicidal restraint to go the extra mile to defuse a situation? That is the balance of coverage and perspective we rarely see. And so this is why you hear constantly about systemic racism. And yet the reaction of the president, the attorney general, the U.S. attorney, the others, demonstrates the opposite. The reason we never see this balance is because the media doesn't have an agenda for justice or prudent policing. But he writes to spark racial, he says, racial war. This is why we never saw rioting or media outrage after a Somali immigrant, police officer, Minneapolis, 
fatally shot Justin Diamond, an Australian woman, in cold blood in 2017 after she approached his patrol car to report a suspected rape behind her house. The only reason the cop was tried and sentenced to 12 and a half years for manslaughter was that this was an international incident and the Australian government raised an outcry over it. He goes on. Consider the following. According to the Washington Post database on police shootings, 17 unarmed African Americans were killed by police in 2018. 17. Let's just assume the unlikely assumption that all 17 were unjustified, which isn't the case, but he's saying let's just assume it. In the mold of the choking death of George Floyd, that accounts for just 0.002% of the 7,407 black homicide victims that year, according to the FBI's Uniform Criminal Report, the overwhelming majority of whom were killed by black criminals, not white criminals or police. In cases where the races of both the victim and offender were known as staggering Almost 89% of black homicide victims are murdered by black criminals. He's not, he's not making any excuse for what's happened to Mr. Floyd. He denounces it, and he wants those officers punished. He's talking about the narrative that's in the media, and I'll talk about the likes of LeBron James and others. He says this is a recurring epidemic every year and is made worse by the broad and indiscriminate war on cops and public safety. Even the fear of dying from coronavirus didn't stop the murder and mayhem in America's inner cities. If black lives matter, as all lives do, where's the outrage? This is why isolated incidents cannot be manipulated for the purpose of pushing a broad policy narrative. And so he's saying the statistics simply don't bear out the rhetoric. And there's no justification for the riots and the looting. None whatsoever. Particularly when you look at the reaction in this case. In this case. There's no excuse for this. None. But to constantly attack law enforcement generally, when the facts don't bear it out, to constantly attack society generally, as systemically racist, when the facts simply don't bear it out, is a huge, huge injustice to Mr. Floyd. I'll be right back. At Hillsdale College, faith and learning are integrated in pursuit of a common end. And I've been talking a lot about four pillars of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Today, I'd like to focus on faith. As the founders of our nation knew, God is indeed the first authority and the motive toward which all learning moves. Hillsdale understands that we come to really know things through reason and faith. And their students are taught to pursue truth through both. Founded in 1844 by Christians, students of all faiths are welcome at Hillsdale College and always have been. How does the college teach the essentials of the Christian faith and religion, all students must take a course, the Western theological tradition, as part of Hillsdale's rigorous core curriculum. The college also offers majors in religion, philosophy and religion, and Christian studies. Hillsdale's campus is a welcoming place in which to discuss and practice faith. Respectful dialogue among Christians of different denominations and with students of non-Christian faiths is just one hallmark of this stellar college. Now to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levinforhillsdale.com. 
Clavin Show, live and national at 877-381-3811. Now, the governor of Minnesota, the attorney general of Minnesota, the mayors of Minneapolis and St. Paul, the governor of California, the attorney general of California, and the mayor of Los Angeles, they need to stop ordering their police to harass innocent Americans who want to open their businesses, who want to get a haircut, who want to get their nails done, who want to go to the beach and refocus. Take your cities back. Nobody gets to burn down cities. Nobody gets to endanger populations. Period. And notice how silent the media are. And notice how silent these left-wing politicians are. Very aggressive in attacking people who want to open their salons or their gyms. Or pastors who want to open their churches. Very aggressive in attacking them. All over the media. All these politicians. But they either ignore, or worse, the violence of looters and rioters who are not interested in justice, when in fact justice is being pursued as aggressively as I've ever seen by all levels of government, all levels of government, that are taking this extremely seriously as they must. But that does not give a free pass for people to become hoodlums and arsonists and destroy communities and steal stuff. That's unacceptable. Black Lives Matter in L.A., other organizations... Very destructive. When you have LeBron James, who knows nothing about anything related to this, but he's enormously popular in the culture. He's followed by a lot of people. When he puts out there a tweet which shows the cop with his knee on the back of Mr. Floyd's neck and then shows Kaepernick taking a knee at the beginning of a football game during the national anthem. How dare he do that? How dare LeBron James do such a thing? And there are others. And there are others. So we'll see how this goes over time. There's not a lot more I can say about it. There's not a lot more I know about it. But you can do justice, and you can oppose anarchy and looting and rioting, which is what all decent citizens of this country, regardless of race, background, heritage, should be supporting. And if they need to call out the National Guard, they ought to call out the National Guard. Then do it. The amount of news coverage, the amount of newsprint, airtime, 
spent on condemning law-abiding civil protests over the last two and a half months, spent on condemning churches and private gyms and salons. There's been appalling the lack of support for civil liberties by our media on whatever platform has been appalling. It's been outrageous. The support for virtual martial law in some of these states or decisions by governors that cost people their lives when it came to nursing homes and the failure of the media to hold their feet to the fire with their obsession with Donald Trump and their other picadillos. Absolutely grotesque. And now we have an extremely serious matter here involving the death of Mr. Floyd where the the government at every level is conducting itself exactly the way it's supposed to. Exactly the way it's supposed to. And now we have Looters and rioters. And you watch. You're watching already on CNN, on MSNBC, in the pages of our major newspapers. These people who are starting fires, who are stealing things, they're not treated the same way as people who peaceably assembled and protested. Why isn't there some balance? Why isn't there some truth to the reporting? What's it going to take? Somebody setting a building on fire and killing 5, 10, 12 people? For everybody to get together? Everybody. As a nation. This is the time to unite. And condemn this. There's a lot to condemn here. You watch Mr. Floyd. It breaks your heart. The investigators will figure out all that took place here. They're on top of this. They're all over this. They're all over this. And we're all watching. And the president wants justice. And so does the attorney general. And they'll do the right thing. You've got people who are Democrats, people who are Republicans, people who are conservatives, people who are liberals. You've got local law enforcement, state law enforcement, federal law enforcement, the Civil Rights Division. Justice will be done. I don't know what that means yet, but it'll be done. Our Constitution must be followed in every case. But justice must be done when people burn down buildings and loot as well. Or a society cannot withstand it. We should be extremely proud of how this matter is being handled by all levels of government. Extremely proud. But what's being done in the streets is simply unacceptable. And we all know it. And no, you can take the statistics. There is not systemic racism in law enforcement in this country. You may have some bad police departments. 
You may have some bad cops. But the statistics show there simply is not systemic racism. And statistics also show that 99% of police officers in this country are wonderful people who give up a great deal to do what they're doing. This will come down to the question of excessive force because police have to be able to use force in the conduct of their responsibilities every day. There's a lot of evil people out there. The issue is excessive force. Was it excessive? And that's why it's so important that the investigation be meticulous. Meticulous. This cannot be a media-driven investigation and prosecution. I don't really care what political operatives have to say on television. It's irrelevant to me and should be irrelevant to you. Just look for the facts. Follow the facts, as Ephraim Zimblish Jr. used to say in the great program, the FBI. Just follow the facts. The facts will send send you where you need to go. And put down the rioters and the looters. We're going to get people killed. That is simply unacceptable in every respect. Now I want to move on. When we come back to Twitter. People wondering, I'm sure, what I think about all this. Twitter. Do I take a libertarian approach? Do I take a sort of government-centric approach? What exactly is my approach? And I want to discuss this at some length when we return, because it's a big deal. I'll be right back. in. At Hillsdale College, faith and learning are integrated in pursuit of a common end. And I've been talking a lot about four pillars of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Today, I'd like to focus on faith. As the founders of our nation knew, God is indeed the first authority and the motive toward which all learning moves. Hillsdale understands that we come to really know things through reason and faith. And their students are taught to pursue truth through both. Founded in 1844 by Christians, students of all faiths are welcome at Hillsdale College and always have been. How does the college teach the essentials of the Christian faith and religion, all students must take a course, the Western theological tradition, as part of Hillsdale's rigorous core curriculum. The college also offers majors in religion, philosophy and religion, and Christian studies. Hillsdale's campus is a welcoming place in which to discuss and practice faith. Respectful dialogue among Christians of different denominations and with students of non-Christian faiths is just one hallmark of this stellar college. Now to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levinforhillsdale.com. All right, look, I'm going to save Twitter for next hour because I was thinking about this during the break. This is why I and so many of you believe in the Constitution. We believe in the application of the Constitution. We believe in our founding document, the Declaration. And when you read the Declaration of Independence, there's no mention of race whatsoever. 
And the man who used to point to the Declaration of, Con- uh, of, uh, of Independence most frequently was Abraham Lincoln during the course of the Civil War. Abraham Lincoln could have easily said, you know, this nation was born in slavery in 1619. Abraham Lincoln and the rest of us had no idea what took place in 1619, but okay. All men are created equal. Unalienable rights. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Every single human being. That's what Lincoln said over, over, over again. And he thanked the founders, some of whom were slave owners, for the Declaration of Independence. Because he said, even under the circumstances of war, even under the circumstances of their birth, even under the circumstances of their economic situation, while they couldn't address there and then the issue of slavery, they set in motion. They set in motion for their progeny the moral basis for eliminating slavery. The moral basis. They didn't have to do that, but they did it. They did it. Why am I bringing this up? Because Mr. Floyd's rights, in my view, were violated. We'll see. We'll see. Why else am I bringing it up? Because we have a constitution. And these police officers have a right to representation and due process too. Our system is magnificent. It is attacked all the time. This is why I hold the constitution and the declaration close to my heart. When a nation is unmoored from those documents, when this nation is, you get tyranny. Whether it's tyranny in the streets or whether it's tyranny as we've seen with the upper echelon of the FBI and the CIA and the media in trying to take out a sitting president. It does a nation no good, this nation especially, to abandon the rule of law And to abandon traditions and processes and principles that undergird the civil society. Whether we're talking about what happens in the street or what happens in government. What stands between us and tyranny, whether in the street or whether in politics or whether in government, whatever. is a just rule of law, is the belief in our founding principles. That's what makes us different than every other country on the face of the earth. Not looting, not rioting, not using police state tactics against your political opponents. These weaken our country. They attack our very foundation. That's why we believe what we believe. We believe the highest order is God Almighty himself and faith, not government. We believe in the rule of law, not the rule of the street. 
We believe in following the Constitution, not tyrannical efforts to undermine it. These aren't just concepts. These aren't just theories, abstractions. This is life and death as a people, as a nation. And now you know why I harp on it all the time, and I have for almost 20 years behind this microphone in my entire life. When we return, we will deal with this issue of Twitter. Because I notice some hosts and commentators on television, even in my favorite television channel, are very upset the President of the United States wants to do something about Twitter. They weren't all that upset when Obama was sending out, you know, eavesdropping on the New York Times and and the Fox uh, uh, News Network and, and the Associated. That didn't get them all riled up. This apparently has. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. By the way, Just because the looters and the rioters and others in the mob demand immediate, quote-unquote, justice, doesn't mean they get immediate anything. There's a process. A process. There's a process that must be gone through. Whether the accused is a police officer or the accused is a drug pusher. It's called justice. And the mob doesn't get to rule. Neither do the media, neither do any of the other hotheads. I would talk about Twitter. Because again, there's a lot of foolish former judges, former prosecutors, others out there who think they're defending freedom of speech. They're not defending freedom of speech. Mr. Producer's Twitter prevented prevented from posting whatever it wants or allowing anybody to post whatever it wants? No. Twitter has a massive platform. The vast majority of us use it. Some of you are obsessed with it, but the vast majority of us use it. Honestly, Mr. Bidus will tell I don't really use it. I post on Facebook and simultaneously post on Twitter. Right, Mr. Producer? Just to put it out there. But I don't even get involved in Twitter. Oh, you're not in a Twitter war? No. I wouldn't even know how to be in a Twitter war. Why do I care? I have this microphone. But anyway. This has absolutely nothing to do with the First Amendment or freedom of speech. Nothing. And I'm sick and tired of all the misinformation from the so-called legal analysts all over cable TV. I'm starting to think that these newsrooms 
are such a disservice to America. And these legal analysts are such a disservice to America that this is why so many people in this country are so screwed up. Twitter has moved from its original mission as an open platform with certain limits and restrictions, you know, crimes and pornography and so forth. But in terms of ideas, right or wrong, true or false, for which it was originally protected by Congress in 1996, protected against liability, And the reason it was protected against liability is because it was viewed as a neutral sort of traffic site. People post what they want to post, pretty much say whatever they want to say. You can police it in terms of uh, immoral comments or activity, that sort of thing. But the content per se, particularly political content, no, they didn't do it. And they never were going to do it. So they get a special protection from Congress because it's basically neutral. It's not even an arbiter. I've heard it called a neutral arbiter. It's not an arbiter. It's where a community was built and now a massive community for people to post and communicate and so forth and so on. And so the goal there was with Congress, well, let's protect this from lawsuits, you know, libel suits and so forth and so on. Because, after all, Twitter's not involved in the substance of this stuff. It's not making judgments on content of that sort. It is simply a mechanical operation. It's a platform. But it's not that anymore. It has become fat and lazy, which it's free to do. I mean, I'm a little overweight. I wouldn't say I'm lazy, though. And it's decided, slowly but surely, to change its mission. So it doesn't have a mission that is neutral. Now it's going to fact check. And in part it's going to fact check based on CNN and the Washington Post. And its fact checkers are ardent liberal Democrats. Well then, that seems to change things. So it's, it's, it's gone from a neutral site where people go to communicate one with the other, communicate with the world, or communicate with themselves, for all I know, to something fundamentally different. Fact-checking, content-checking, arbitrating, and obviously from a liberal perspective. And it also has assigned to itself the authority to post a scarlet letter, or they call a label, in which they determine that the information provided is not accurate. So they've made a major change. And they're censoring people, or pulling them off the site altogether, based on the content of their comments. Again, not pornography, criminality, or things like that. So having moved from an open platform a neutral open platform to content control, it has transformed into something different. Something different than when it was in 1996. 
This has nothing to do with free speech, as I hear some of these doofus radical libertarians say. This has nothing to do with controlling a private company. It got a special privilege from Congress that I don't get. Congress didn't pass a law and say, you know, that Mark Levin, we got to protect him. He's got to be able to promote liberty and the Constitution and free markets and Americanism. Let's protect Mark. No. So they got a special, rare privilege from Congress to protect it against liabilities. And they want to keep it, even though they fundamentally changed. And the president and the attorney general are saying, wait a minute. You've changed, and now we're stretching this 1996 law to accommodate Twitter, a private corporation. If it's going to do fact-checking and labeling and censoring, it's no longer a neutral site. A platform where people just come. Now, I disagree with those who say, well, it ought to be like a public purpose. No, it's a private company. But as a private company, it doesn't get special privileges as a matter of right. So now that it has fundamentally altered its mission, Twitter Jack there, the multi-billionaire, has decided, under pressure from the media and leftists, well, there's no reason to protect it anymore. There's no reason it should have a special privilege anymore. It's that simple. What does that have to do with free speech? Nobody's controlling their speech. It's just that people will have access to the courts and lawyers and so forth, as they always do. But Twitter's free to do whatever it wants. It's free to do whatever it wants. Nobody's stopping it. If it wants to... Monitor content, monitor it. If it wants to put out scarlet letters all over the place, then put out scarlet letters all over the place. But you have now forfeited your privilege because you're not a neutral site for your community now of tens of millions, if not a billion. So you've changed, and there's no reason that privilege should continue. It's that simple. It's not an attack on a private company. It's not an attack on free speech. You go back to the status quo prior to 1996. This is exactly why over at Facebook, Zuckerberg has said, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing what old Twitter Jack over there is doing. No, 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 no. Facebook, we're not getting into that. We don't have fact checkers, he says. I don't know if he does or not, but let's play along. We don't have fact checkers. We're not getting into this stuff. I'm not putting labels out there. You know, we have basic guidelines. Behave yourself. You know, don't expose yourself like like Anthony Weiner. You know, don't do stuff like that. But in terms of political content and everything, I'm not playing referee. You know why? Because Zuckerberg is smarter than Twitter Jack. That's the bottom line. And he said, I want this privilege. I want Facebook to be protected. And he's hated by the left, believe it or not. About a year ago when he said, I'm not getting into it, they hated him. Pelosi went after him, of course. 
Pelosi's fascistic. We all know that. She's fascistic. And I might say her face is melting before our eyes. Have you noticed that, Mr. Producer? Her face is melting before our eyes. It's, it's very uncomfortable. Her forehead is now her chin. I've t- said that the other day. I'm saying that. It's true. She's growing multiple eyebrows. I don't know what the hell's happening. But that's their problem, not mine. So the President of the United States says, look, and he's been saying this for a while, this Twitter is out of control. And it seems that their content monitoring and their fact-checking and now their labeling, including of me, the President of the United States, seems to go pretty much one way. And so I'm the President of the United States. This is a federal law. I don't have to sit here with a mask on and rubber gloves and my hand sanitizer on my desk and pretend this isn't happening. They're trying to influence the general election. And if they're not wittingly, they're doing it unwittingly. But in any event, they're no longer a neutral site. And he's right. Why do you think the left wants Twitter and Facebook and all the rest of them to ban the President of the United States, to ban conservatives, to ban this, that, and the other because they're fascistic, number one. I've talked about this. I want to tell you a little bit more about Twitter when we return. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Let's look a little bit more at this. Okay, here we go. Um, New York Post. You know, that's a hell of a newspaper, I have to say. It's a very good newspaper. And uh, it's very entertaining, too. What most newspapers are not. Very good and very entertaining. Anyway, Saurabh Amari writes, Twitter wants to target conservatives with none of a publisher's responsibilities. And see, these are the headlines. Trump is targeting social media. Ladies and gentlemen, Trump's not targeting anybody. He's addressing the reality that's, that's unraveling right in front of him. If Twitter's going to fact-check the leaders of the free world with a hard leftist, as part of the team doing so, then it should be treated as the publisher that it is. 
And what they mean by publisher is no more of this neutral platform. It's like a publisher of an article, a publisher of a point of view. In other words, it's subject to libel laws and so forth. With all the liabilities that entails. On Tuesday, Twitter appended a fact-check label to a presidential tweet about the fraud risk associated with mail-in voting. The exclamation urged users to get the facts about mail-in ballots. Now, I just posted the facts about mail-in ballots on Mark Levin's show Facebook and Mark Levin's show Twitter, thanks to the Heritage Foundation. It's up there, right, Rich? You, you can take a quick look at that, and there's plenty of information on the Internet about it, too. The link took users to a CNN story with the headline, Trump makes unsubstantiated claim that mail-in ballots will lead to voter fraud. Now, it was the kind of opinion masquerading as reportage that CNN and too many other mainstream outlets specialize in. Quote, experts say mail-in ballots are very rarely linked to voter fraud, unquote, the story tist tist. The experts apparently having forgotten the debacle of thousands of lost, missing, and unaccounted mail-in ballots reported by the New York Times just last month. Just in case CNN... Now, wait a minute. Mr. Producer, open your microphone, please. You moved from the Bronx about two years ago, correct? What did you receive in the mail today? I received an absentee ballot at my old house. At your old house, you get an absentee ballot with your name on it to vote. Yep. The new lady uh, said, hey, I got this for you. What should I do with it? So you could have voted there and vote where you currently live. Correct. Right there. Because they don't know what the hell they're doing, do they? Now, multiply your situation by God knows how many in every state of the union. It is impossible for the state to know and keep up with all this. They don't have the capacity to do it. So when you see CNN or any other so-called news organization, these are frauds. Of course there's going to be fraud. How can there not be? I'll give you an example. I got a census form at our residence where we live and a census form in a second home we have in Florida. Now, should I fill out both of them or should I fill out one of them? They don't know what the hell's going on. I'll prove it to you further. States have voting rolls. They've got dead people on these rolls. They've got people on twice, three times, who've moved from county to county within states. You have people who've moved from state to state where they didn't withdraw the registration. So you're getting ballots and potentially, if you're getting mail-in ballot, mail-out ballot, two or three states. This just off the top of my head. Obviously, there's an enormous Capacity for fraud. Anyway, the story goes on. Just in case CNN's experts say pablum wasn't enough to convince you that orange man bad, Twitter also curated a number of tweets from the blue check Twitterati, slamming the president, with one even hysterically accusing Trump of planning voter suppression. None of this comes as a surprise to conservatives on Twitter. For years, Twitter has censored conservative voices, increasingly without even bothering with the pretense of platform neutrality. This is the same firm that suspended actor and conservative firebrand James Woods for tweeting a blurred and publicly available photo of Andrew Gillum, the failed Florida gubernatorial candidate, appearing to be high. Meanwhile, Twitter has consistently refused to suspend Nation of Islam leader Louis Farrakhan, even after the left-wing darling compared Jews to termites. And now we know why. A key actor in Twitter's censorship operation turns out to be Yoel Roth. 
a fellow with an ideology so hard left, it would scare Nation Magazine's editorial board. It was Roth who, along with a co-worker, introduced Twitter's new fact-checking policy. In serving the public conversation, the pair wrote a couple of weeks ago, our goal is to make it easy to find credible information on Twitter, to limit the spread of potentially harmful and misleading content, that is, conservative ideas. Starting today, we're introducing new labels and warning messages that will provide additional context and information on some tweets containing disputed or misleading information related to COVID-19. This actually gets a lot worse. A lot worse. So stick with me after the break and I'll continue. We'll be right back. When the going gets tough, a tough get. Mark Levin. Call him now at 877-381-3811. Technology has improved just about everything. Phones, cars, shopping. Yet mattresses have more or less been the same since the invention of sleep. But we deserve better. And finally, the mattress has evolved thanks to Purple. Now, the secret to Purple is the Purple Grid. It's a patented comfort technology that instantly adapts to your body's natural shape and sleep style. Purple is for everybody, no matter how you sleep. Purple is designed with over 2,800 open-air channels and naturally temperature-neutral gel. You'll never sleep too hot or too cold. The Purple mattress is soft where you want it, firm where you need it, and comfortably cool all over. It's truly a mattress that does it all. You can count on resting easy night after night, year after year, because the ultra-durable Purple grid won't sink or lose shape. Purple's so confident in what they do that every Purple mattress comes with free shipping and returns and a risk-free 100-night trial. That's amazing. Experience the next evolution of sleep. You have nothing to lose. There's no risk. Go to purple.com slash Levin, purple.com slash L-E-V-I-N, then enter code Levin, L-E-V-I-N. Now, why do all that? Because for a limited time, you'll get $150 off any Purple mattress order of $1,500 or more. You really want to sleep well? I'm telling you how to do it. That's purple.com slash Levin, promo code L-E-V-I-N. For $150 off any mattress order of $1,500 or more, terms apply, 100 nights to try it out. Absolutely risk-free, I'm telling you. Let's get back to this. The inner workings, or dysfunction, I should say, of Twitter. It's far from this neutral site now, isn't it? This guy, Roth, happens to be a rabid hater, says the New York Post, of Trump and the 63 million Americans who voted for him. Quote, I'm just saying, he tweeted in November 2016, we fly over those states that voted for a racist tangerine for a reason, unquote. This is their top fact checker. In January 27, quote, today on Meet the Press, he tweeted, we're speaking with Joseph Goebbels about the first hundred days. What I hear when Trump aide Kellyanne Conway is on a news show, unquote. What is it about the left and constantly comparing conservatives to Hitler and to Nazis? And Scarborough does this all the time. In July 2017, quote, he tweets, How does a personality-free bag of FARTS like Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell actually win elections, unquote? Now, none of this was banned or labeled, of course, because this guy runs the propaganda mill 
for Twitter. Turns out Twitter's playing with fire. Lawmakers could call for revoking the company's legal immunity under an obscure federal law that allows big tech companies to eat their cake and have it too, acting as censors, editors, and publishers while incurring none of the liability. See, this isn't an attack on free speech. These fools in the media, unbelievable. The attack on free speech came under Obama, and they sat on their hands, they sat on their mouths. When he unleashed the FBI against no less than three news organizations. And they didn't say peep. Here's the deal. If I publish libelous claims in the New York Post, my victims can hold the Post libel in court. But Twitter is immune to such suits under the 1996 Communications Decency Act. Section 230 of the law provides that, quote, no provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information content provider, unquote. But note the underlying assumption that online bulletin boards, and that's what Twitter is, a glorified bulletin board, don't act as publishers, but by policing conservatives and fact-checking and labeling and censoring and labeling the president of the United States, Twitter's acting exactly like a publisher. So why should one class of publishers, such as the New York Post or my publisher, Simon & Schuster, be held liable while another gets to escape liability merely because its editors are hard-left California geeks? Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri had the right idea last year when he introduced legislation that would remove this section, Section 230 immunity from tech companies, unless they could prove that their algorithms and content removal practices are politically neutral. Amen. What is wrong with that? Meanwhile, as of this writing, Twitter had yet to fact-check Mayor Bill de Blasio's tweet, quote, encouraging New Yorkers to go on with your lives and get out on the town despite coronavirus, unquote. Remember that one? Countless accusations of Russia collusion remain. What a joke. And yet, the media is turning it on Trump. You see? has issued an executive order that has been reviewed by his counsel, that has been reviewed by the Department of Justice. And it'll be legally challenged, as you might expect. Who knows how it'll end up? It could be tough. It could be tough. But if Trump were Obama the courts would embrace him tightly. Which is another problem, isn't it? Yes, it's a big problem. And yet, here's the hilarity with Twitter Jack and his tweet machine. The Heritage Foundation has a, a piece and I have uh, posted some of the information they relied on. But the Heritage Foundation, Caitlin Samalas Aldrich writes, all male elections have received heightened attention in the media these past few weeks. I wonder why they didn't cite the Heritage Foundation to support the president's position. Well, gee, I wonder why. Prominent liberals highly endorse the idea, claiming it allows people to do their patriotic duty without risking being infected by the coronavirus. Yeah, just like their members shouldn't show up to vote, they just need a little poll of Bureau of 20 in the House of Representatives to control everything. Because of the coronavirus, don't you know? 
These are power-hungry bastards. In reality, without rigid safeguards to prevent fraud, and I can tell you right now, we have judges in this country who do not believe in rigid safeguards to prevent fraud. Without rigid safeguards to prevent fraud, misuse, and voter intimidation, absentee ballot fraud, while it may occur sporadically, already has affected the outcome of elections in states and counties across the country. Now, how come they put a label on the president's tweet when he makes this point? Why? Because Twitter relied on CNN and the Washington Post. Of course they don't deserve that special privilege. Just look at the 2018 congressional race in North Carolina that was overturned by the state election board. Or the mayor of Gordon, Alabama, who was removed from office last year after his conviction for absentee ballot fraud. Although talk of voter fraud may be increasing because of the stakes in the 2020 election. The Heritage Foundation's election fraud database... It's been around for four years. With the addition of our latest batch of cases, we are up to 1,285 proven instances of voter fraud. Heritage's database is by no means comprehensive. It doesn't capture all voter fraud cases and certainly doesn't capture reported instances that aren't even investigated or prosecuted. The database is intended to demonstrate the vulnerabilities in the election system and the many ways in which fraud is committed. Now, of course, the Democrat Party and the media look at this and say, hey, we're succeeding. They say we try to keep a close eye on public information about potential cases through local news stories, court documents, county records, and police reports. But even that is difficult to do in a country as large as the United States with hundreds of elections every year. And this, of course, is why the Democrats keep saying, prove it. Show us a study. Prove it. The system is so diverse and dispersed throughout our country as the framers demanded. That you can come up with anecdotal cases, but you can't show what they demand. And since they demand to put this in place, it is up to them to show us all the protections in place. Mr. Bidu, I just put him on the air. He just said, hey, they sent a ballot to my old address. He could have voted that ballot and a ballot in his new address. But he's honorable. He's not a liberal Democrat. Let me go on. This sampling of cases illustrates the existence and effect of voter fraud. Most importantly, the public must understand that fraud can occur throughout the entire process of registering and voting. Examples include impersonation fraud at the polls, false voter registrations, duplicate voting, fraudulent absentee ballots, vote buying, illegal assistance and intimidation of voters, ineligible voting such as by aliens, altering of vote counts and ballot petition. Heritage Report offers a quick summary of the dangers of voting by mail and the necessary safeguards to ensure an election's integrity. Friends, they detail how Wisconsin successfully conducted its recent primary election, including in-person voting. Voting by mail makes it easier to commit fraud. It makes it easier to intimidate voters and destroy the protections of the secret ballot. It puts elections into the hands of the Postal Service. And without the oversight of election and polling officials, ballots can be lost, ballots can be disqualified, and even stolen. An example from our newest batch of cases illustrates a common type of fraud. John and Grace Fleming both were found guilty of duplicate voting, once by absentee ballot in New Hampshire and then in person in Massachusetts. And they say they have multiple examples of this. Or the case of April Atalano 
who was found guilty of changing party affiliations of voters, forging signatures on voter registration forms, among other things. Adelano was hired by a private company to contact and register voters in Madera County, California. All public officials should have an attitude about digging into this stuff. But if you don't see it, you don't know it. Securing the integrity of elections should not be become wrapped up in partisan politics, but unfortunately it is. And as best as I can tell, in almost every case, which party benefits from all this? Which is the party that doesn't want security, that doesn't want voter ID? Which is the party that doesn't want to clean voting rolls? And then when you say we need to fix this, they call you a racist and that you want to suppress the vote. It's the Democrat Party. Because the Democrat Party believes in power, whether it's by the vote, whether it's by judicial edict, whether whether it's by presidential fiat, doesn't matter. The old communist line, may I say, because it's applicable here, the ends justify the means. And if you understand that, you understand the Democrat Party. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. What's the number one sign of a bad home security system? Well, a home security system that's so complicated, you never use it, even though you're paying for it. This is exactly the type of security system Simply Safe has spent a decade fighting against. They believe that simple is safer. That's exactly why Simply Safe is the house security for right now, when feeling safe at home has never been more important. Simply Safe was designed to be easy to use while protecting your whole home. 24-7. Order online with the click of a button, open the box, place the sensors, plug it in, and your home is protected around the clock. No technician or salesperson has to come and disrupt your house. Head to simplysafemark.com, simplysafemark.com, and get free shipping and a 60-day money-back guarantee. That's simplysafemark.com to make sure they know that you've been listening to this show. And get your 60-day money-back guarantee. SimplySafeMark.com Let us go to Devalia, Georgia, the great WGAC. Faye, how are you, Faye? Yes, Faye, go right ahead. Hi, Mark. I'm a long-time listener. It's an honor to speak with you. You were addressing the voter situation. Just wanted to let you know, we received uh, several weeks ago an absentee ballot for a relative who has been dead for 33 years. Mm. So I just wanted to uh, uh, let you know that they are sending out ballots to people who are deceased. Because their computers are not talking to other computers. They're only good as the information you put in. We've learned this with the Wuhan China virus. The data is only as good as the models. The models are only good as the model makers. Why people think they can rely on local, state, or even the federal government to get this right is beyond me. Just get off your ass, go to the precinct, and vote. If you're out of town, if you're sick, if you're elderly, we get it. That's what we have absentee ballots for. You need people who oversee this process because they're crooks. We call them judges. But 
by the Democrat Party media and the Democrat Party and various activist groups to destroy our franchise. And while they claim every vote should count, obviously every vote should not count. If you're voting and it's illegal, it shouldn't count. If you're voting for somebody else, it shouldn't count. If you don't have the right to vote, it shouldn't count. If you're voting three times, it shouldn't count. If you're voting for dead people, it shouldn't count. It's not count every vote. It's count every lawful vote. All right, Faye, thank you for your call. And I'm sure if I really wanted to, I can open up this call board to examples of fraud, 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 endlessly. Endlessly. Let's go to Ann, Hamilton, Texas, the great WBAP. Go. Uh, Yes, thank you very much for taking my call. Yes. I'm concerned about uh, voter ID, uh, and I'm looking at my voter registration certificate right now, and it has a nine-digit voter ID number. It shows the gender, the year of my birth, the precinct number, and so what's the problem? The problem is that if I were to apply for a uh, voter by mail, that voter ID number would have to match up with my Texas driver's license that does have a picture ID. And that voter number is also on the book if I show up. Well, you're very lucky. Your Supreme Court just ruled uh, uh, voting by mail uh, because of the coronavirus uh, Unconstitutional. Well, that's so you don't you don't you don't have to worry about it. No, I understand that. But if they're wondering how to help prevent fraud, that is one excellent way. Of no, the one it. excellent way is no voting by mail. That's the excellent way. I agree, a hundred percent. Show us your face. Show us your well, face. Show us your ID. If we can send men and women off to war, who die, who have all kinds of horrendous industries. Uh, 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 injuries, who have uh, and on and on, then we can show up and vote. I'm so sick of this. They treat us like we're a bunch of uh, uh, veal in cages. Right. It's, it's ridiculous. We're the American people. The Democrats try to lull us into this. You deserve to be able to vote by mail. No, you don't. Go vote. If you can't turn out and vote, then go to hell. One of the things I'd like to point out is I have to present my picture ID on my driver's license along with my voter registration certificate, or they will not let me vote. Well, good for you, because in most states that's not the case. And and then even when it's in doubt, you file a provisional ballot. And this is what the Democrats are hoping for. Thank you for your call, ma'am. So they stretch out the vote 45 days before an election. What the hell for What do you mean 45 days before an election? And then you have this so-called voter harvesting. What does that mean? That means uh, you've you've got voting even after the election's over. Some states like California, they can count for after a week. So all of a sudden, truckloads of votes show up. Oh, but don't worry. They have the proper dates on them. So they knocked out six Republican congressmen who had won, but they lost. After a week, you have a date, you have a time. When it's over, it's over. You count the absentee ballots, and that's the end of it. Very simple and secure, which is exactly why the left opposes it. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811-877. 381-3811. The genocidal communist regime in China is literally destroying Hong Kong. Me, called Free to Choose by Dr. Milton Friedman. And back then, PBS would actually put a brilliant man like Milton Friedman on its stations. Not today, of course. Uh, They would even put a man like him on their stations out of curiosity. But today, they are not curious in the least. And Milton Friedman did a multi-part series based on his book, Free to Choose. And one of those chapters focused in large part on Hong Kong. How this tiny little speck in the Pacific, this tiny little island, had the freest economy and freest society on the face of the earth. No natural resources. Really very little space, so they had these massive high-rises. And so, not that long ago, in human years... Great Britain agreed that the territory of Hong Kong will be ceded back to China under very strict conditions. That Hong Kong wouldn't be devoured by the mainland and turned in just to another speck on the face of the earth where tyranny reigns strong. That Hong Kong's democratic government Hong Kong's super-capitalist system and financial systems will be left untouched. And they call this One China, Two Systems. And Hong Kong was supposed to exist this way for decades to come. But Xi Jinping, who is becoming increasingly a modern-day Hitler, and I'm going to tell you something, he has the capacity to be a Hitler. What he's doing to the Muslims in that country. He has the capacity to be a Hitler. What he'll do to the Christians in that country. What he'll do to any believers of any faith in that country. Is quite apparent. He's got death camps. He's got gulags. And I just wish. Joe Scarborough. And Mika Brzezinski. And Jake Tapper. And Donnie Lemon. I just wish some of these people would focus more of their time. On that than on their own radical politics. Now this regime in China has killer satellites in the sky to take out our GPS systems for our military. 
They have the capacity to blow out our electrical grid now. They have all but taken over the South China Sea. And I'm, I'm, I've been debating with myself, Mr. Producer, whether to call it the South China Sea. That could be racist. Maybe I should call it the South Asian Sea. Just been thinking about that. They put in these phony islands and militarized them under the Obama-Biden administration. They have built a massive Pacific fleet while the Obama-Biden administration closed its eyes. They have perfected their mid-term and long-term nuclear missiles and their MIRV capacity. And their MIRV capacity somewhat as a result of the Clinton administration. You remember they couldn't fire a rocket off the planet Earth. They kept crashing. And then in comes American technicians under the Clinton administration and shows them how to do it. Cat's out of the bag. They steal our technology. They steal us blind. They have bought their ways into the uh, colleges and universities, many of them, top colleges and universities in this country. We've got Unknown number of spies from Red China in this country. They call them students. They control both ends of the Panama Canal. They now have bases in Africa as a result of threats to very poor African countries where they make major loans, they default, and as collateral, they'll take over, as an example, their major ports. Their presence is everywhere. They're destroying Hong Kong. And they've become so militarily powerful that other than economic activity, it appears there's very little we can do. And they have Taiwan in their sights. A magnificent country, Taiwan. They threaten all their neighbors. Even Vietnam looks to the United States for help. That's why we had one of our battleships in one of their ports a few years back. The problem is, ladies and gentlemen, we have these planned war games that we play out at the Pentagon. And in every single instance, in the Pacific, they defeat us. What do you think about that, California, Washington, and Oregon? In every single war game, they defeat us. Under the Obama administration, while this was going on, he was slashing the United States military while beefing up food stamps. He refused to counter the killer satellites that the Chinese put in space. Trump's confronting them. That's why we now have a space service, as I told you. China's the enemy. Oh, yes, there's a Cold War. There's been a Cold War. And the enemy from within, the fifth column, is the Democrat Party. Is they weaken us from within, weaken our resolve, distract us, China's on the move. 
I never thought I'd live to see the day where they devour Hong Kong. There's several million free people on that island, people who are used to freedom, people who are our friends, people who've done business with our businesses. Their very existence is threatened. Lawmakers in China, as reported by Asia.Nikkei.com, today they passed legislation that will extend China's opaque national security law to Hong Kong, an expected move that has promoted large demonstrations in the city and a warning from Washington. The bill, which was passed by a vote of 2,878 in favor to one objection, sounds like the Democrat in the House of Representatives, has put the Asian hub's economic status at risk in Washington, where Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said yesterday that Hong Kong no longer deserves special treatment. No reasonable person can assert today that Hong Kong maintains a high degree of autonomy from China, given the facts on the ground, Pompeo said. The vote at the annual meeting of the National People's Congress, China's fake parliament, could prompt more countries to follow the U.S. in reevaluating trade agreements with Hong Kong, which is home to many multinational companies' Asian headquarters. The former British colony returned to Chinese rule in 1997, has enjoyed a high degree of autonomy under the framework of one country, two systems, which sets it apart from mainland's financial and business centers such as Shanghai and Shenzhen. And I want you to remember, Joe Biden has embraced this regime. Mike Bloomberg has embraced this regime. Thomas Friedman has, has embraced this regime. Hong Kong maintains an independent judiciary, a separate currency and financial system, and guarantees on freedom of speech. That's all going to end now. Under the U.S. Hong Kong Policy Act of 92, Washington treats Hong Kong as a separate jurisdiction from mainland China and gives the territory special treatment. The bottom line is this. Come September, when this law actually is enforced, the Chinese are already and have really taken over the police forces in Hong Kong, what military forces they have in Hong Kong. They already secreted themselves into this. They've taken over the legislature in Hong Kong. And if you protest, that's considered an act against the state. Protest, speech, the internet, all the repressive policies that are in place in mainland China are going to be applied against the wonderful free people of Hong Kong. It's unbelievable. If this is not a wake-up call to the American people, nothing is. But whatever you do, don't call it the China virus because that's racist. And I would argue, don't call it the East China Sea because if the China virus is racist, then I guess anything named China is racist. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. 
More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. First of all, Pete Hegseth has become a dear friend of mine and my wife, his wonderful wife and family. He is a true patriot, and not just a patriot in name. He's fought for this country. And uh, he's such a reliable voice for Americanism. Whenever you watch him on TV, he just is. And he not only that, he does it with such a smile and so forth, and unlike me. Anyway, Pete Hegseth, you've come up with a magnificent book, American Crusade, Our Fight to Stay Free. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Mark. Thank you very much. We love that smile. We'll bring it out a little more often for you. <laughs> well, it's a pleasure. So let, let's, let's start at the beginning here. What motivated you to write this particular book, and as a general matter, this subject? Uh, it, it, is, is, it is the reality of our moment. The left has fully exposed themselves. Donald Trump has created that by, by fighting in a way Republicans and conservatives and patriots have never done. And so we, we knew the insidious nature of the left was, was infiltrating our institutions, our government, our education systems, our media, our culture. We knew it. But when Donald Trump fought the way that conservatives and patriots never have, they, they showed their true colors, which is anti-American leftism. I mean, the book's title is American Crusade, but you're right. It, originally, it was the case for Americanism. It's all about Americanism and first principles and the reality that we're not dealing with your daddy's Democrats. This is not your tax-cutting, you know, pro-life, anti-communist JFK Democrats, your Tip O'Neill even. These are your, we hate America. We want socialism. We want to tear, you know, deport God from our country. We want globalism. We, we do not agree with them. And our only option here is to crush left. And thankfully, Donald Trump has charted that course, creating the space. And if he wins again in 2020, which I believe he will, we've got four more years of an opportunity. But we, we miss the depth of the, of the betrayal of the left to our country in our educational and cultural institutions. And as a result, it's not enough just to win in the political sphere, Mark, as you know. They, they, they wield, because they've forgotten the Declaration, they wield the Constitution in the most distorted of ways to try to crush individual liberty and equal justice and citizenship. Uh, and it is, it is a betrayal that's been exposed. And so I, I chose the title Crusade for a reason. It's a bold term. Uh, I think we need to be as bold as our president, unafraid, unapologetic and go after them with, with every tool that we have at our disposal. You make the case overall, and we can get into specifics soon. This really is good versus evil, isn't it? Yes. And, and, and the abandonment, not just the abandonment of, of our founding principles, but a war on our founding principles. Is that not correct? 
It's 100% correct. I mean, they're, they're trying to rewrite his. They have been doing it for decades, but it's more blatant now. I mean, I use the example of the New York Times 1619 project. I mean, they don't want the founding of our country to be 1776. No, they reject those principles completely. They believe that this nation was evil from the beginning, founded on slavery, that it defines us, it's in our DNA. And so as a result, any, as a result anything America does is exploitation, it's evil, it's wrong, and they're teaching that to our kids in the schools, and not just, you know, elite universities, so-called elite universities, high schools, middle schools, elementaries, they want to define us by our sins, they want to create, um, you know, loyal leftists of the future, and we wonder why, you know, Comrade Cortez and Ilhan Omar and and Bernie Sanders, Socialist Sanders, resonate with young people, because it's what they're being taught, and it's what's being reinforced in the truly fake news enemy the people media, and there are only a few quarters. I mean, it really is, you know, you, Mark, and, and, and talk radio and Fox News and a few other places where truth is actually told. Otherwise, they have us surrounded. The left has captured most quarters. We win politically, but if we don't win politically, imagine what more they will do. We saw it with what you exposed, Mark, uh, what they did to President, then candidate Trump. They want to do that to whoever they can to consolidate power and control. By the way, I want to thank you for that. That March 5th, 2017 show where you let me go on and on and on. Most hosts would not have allowed that. We, but, we battled yeah. the producers and made sure Mark Levin got the time that he deserved. And you know what? It was our, one of the highest rated segments we'd had in years. And, and we, we even kept you through a commercial break and kept you again uh, because what you had laid out was so devastating and no one else had done it. No one else had put the pieces together. And I love the show you did recently going through that because you were right. And, and all you had to lo- do was look at the public record. By the way, you never get older. You never get old. That's three years ago. I'm looking at you and go, how come I look like it's 10 years ago and he does? All right. I don't know, Mark. I got a lot more grades. I've earned every single one of them, I think. But Yeah, but I don't have anything. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's Mars up there. Anyway, uh, let, let, let's, let's jump into this because you really thoroughly go through the subject matter. Let me give the audience an example. Leftism, globalism, gender, all the isms, socialism, secularism, environmentalism, elitism, multiculturalism, Islamism. Boy, I can barely say it. What do you think, if you do think uh, there is one, what do you think the greatest overarching threat is to our liberty and to this country? Oh, boy, how do I pick from that list? Uh, I I think a lot of it starts with elitism because that's where they set the terms of political correctness. It's where they decide what, in an arbitrary sense, uh, what you can and cannot say. And when they try to control the speech and what's acceptable, they control everything. And that's when they start defining kids as, you know, there are there, you're a global citizen, not an American citizen. Your responsibility is to humanity and not to your country. Well, that starts to lead to, well, we don't need borders and no person is illegal. Uh, uh, and and it, it all emanates from – I mean, I, it all emanates from – the Ivy League is where, is where dumb ideas become acceptable, uh, ideas with no grounding in common sense, no grounding in our history, no grounding in the Judeo-Christian Western civilization, the, the, the great alliance of Athens and Jerusalem. It's where they rege- they've completely rejected those things. They create grievance groups uh, and, and departments that are meant to divide us. And then they push that down into the media and the culture, and they make it the type of thing that it has to become uh, the norm. They 
force it on kids to say, no, you are wrong. You're, you are racist or sexist or homophobic or Islamophobic if you believe the things that have always been a part of our common truth of humanity, of, of the biblical tradition. And when they do that, they put people who have common sense in a corner and tell them they're wrong. And what Donald Trump has done is given voice to people who say, no, 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 I call him the see something, say something president in the book, Mark. He says the things that we've seen. Well, we're going to take a, a short, hard break. We're going to have Pete back. This book is, is fantastic. It is compelling. It's beautifully written. It flows beautifully. The name of the book is American Crusade, Our Fight to Stay Free. Trust me, folks, you need a copy of this. Go to Mark Levin Show Facebook, Mark Levin Show Twitter. We link there or go to Amazon.com. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. Mark Levin doesn't just read the news, he makes the news. Call the Mark Levin Show now at 877-381-3811. I'm telling you, folks, this is really a terrific book. I want to strongly encourage you to get an American Crusade by our buddy Pete Hegseth, who is a uh, really a, a, a tremendous patriot, a combat veteran. Our fight to stay free. And this man fought so that we could stay free. He both is a, a man of integrity and a man of intellect. And I want you to get this book. You can go to Amazon.com or Mark Levin Show Facebook. We've linked to it. Mark Levin Show Twitter. So Pete Hegseth, you uh, fought for this country. And you're yeah. still fighting for this country in a different way. And you're extremely concerned. As a matter of fact, you're concerned that we're one election away from being, if not incredibly difficult, but impossible to reverse course, aren't you? I am. I mean, listen, I'm an optimist, a lover of America, believing we can do it. But if you, once you look at all the evidence before us and you, you, you consider how far we've fallen to sort of leftist cultural rot, you realize that it, it almost feels like politics is the only quarter left where patriots have been able to win, with Donald Trump being the, the, the example of that in 2016. If he can win in 2020, Mark, considering what's been done to him, which you've laid out, the devastating case from the beginning, considering Mueller, considering Ukraine, considering the impeachment, considering what the media does to him every day in social media, if he still wins, then what a demonstration of a reservoir 
of common sense, of goodness, of, of, of the people across this country willing to overcome it. The question is, are we poised to go beyond that and solidify those gains? And I, I, if we lose in 2020, then we're in, we're in big, big trouble. And, you know, the historical lifespan of republics is 225 to 250 mm-hmm. years. There's nothing inevitable about the free future of America. God bless where we are today, and it's because of the values of this country. But history doesn't stop, and there's a lot of evil collectivist ideologies out there, including in our own country. And we, big, you know, as strong of countries as ours, have succumbed to that. And I and I worry that if we don't get uh, if we don't get aggressive and now uh, and learn from Trump, we could fall prey to the same thing. You know, it depends how you how you add up the uh, the Roman Empire, what parts and how long. But, Correct. But about a thousand years. Some people argue 500, but I'd argue about 1,000 years, and that was that. And that empire controlled everything, and yet it crumbled from within. And this is your concern. As I read your book, and I'll tell the audience this, you know, each of your chapters reminded me like of a pamphlet, a Thomas Paine-like pamphlet, where you're saying, all right, I'm addressing leftism and globalism. All right, I'm addressing secularism, and you're, it's, a, it's a clarion call where you're, you, while there is a, a common thread to all of it, you pull each one of them out and you dissect them. Was it hard to write that way? A little bit, a little bit, but I, I, that's a huge compliment coming from you, Mark, that you are the ultimate American crusader, so it means a ton to me. I, I wanted to break it down so it was digestible. So on a particular topic, you could go to that topic and say, I don't understand how they've done this, or why have they done this, or how do I defend this particular perspective, and then how does it all come together? Another friend of mine kind of described it as the decoder key of the left, and I think you, you know, they teach us in the military, Mark, you've got to know thy enemy. You have to know how they think, how they operate where they're operating and what they want to do next if you hope to defeat them. And they have been formidable, and we can't dismiss them and say, oh, America's going to be okay. You know, they'll come back to capitalism. They, the indoctrination camps of our public and, and government schools are actively at work, and they teach these things down to the elementary, and, and a lot of people are asleep at the wheel, and that's a problem. And as I look at each one of these topics that you thoroughly Address and it's very intriguing the way you do it. As I as I look at every one of these topics, they're like anti-American, you know, globalism, genderism rather than equality, socialism rather than capitalism, secularism rather than faith, you know, elitism rather than the common man, multiculturalism rather than the American culture, and so forth and so on. Yep. This fundamental transformation Barack Obama talked about—it's been underway for a little while, but it's reached a pinnacle, hasn't it? It really has. It really has. And leftism is the opposite of Americanism. The, as I mentioned, the, the, the title of this book was almost The Case for Americanism, and I was going to break down leftism, and I, and, I, and I took it in a little bit of a different direction, but same theme. And it, 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 they are trying, they're trying to tear it down, and they're, and they're having great success, and, and, and they're willing to enable our enemies in the process. I included Islamism in there because, because the Red-Green Alliance, what leftists do to allow radical Islamists to flourish is, is happening before us. The way in which the left apologizes for the communist Chinese and will, ne- you know, will not acknowledge we're effectively in a Cold War II with an enemy as, as vicious and determined as the Soviet Union was when Reagan stood them down. So, but, but if you can't 
fix your own house. If you don't have a, a loyal opposition that at least believes America is good, then how, do you, how can you collectively muster the will to defeat external enemies? And that's the problem. The left today believes America is evil. And that's what we're up against, which is why we can't negotiate with them. We have to defeat them. Why do you think so many of our fellow Americans are lured into this? Is it because historically it's sort of an alluring ideology? That yes. is tyranny. is an alluring uh, ideology in its different forms because they talk, we're going to provide you with this. They claim to represent the people while all the time they're centralizing authority and they're controlling the individual. And yet it seems to be very alluring. It is. I mean, they sell the seductive idea that humanity is perfectible. If a, if a little bit more government interference or a little bit more re-education here, then everyone can come together to this collectivist future. And don't worry, the experts are in charge. We've got this covered. We know what real equality means. We'll meet the needs of the people. It all sounds great on a pamphlet. Everything can be free. Everything's accessible. Everything is equal. And of course, they, they promise heaven, but they always deliver hell. And that's why socialism in here, the, t- the subtitle is, will it work this time? Because every time it's been tried, it has failed. Yet if we're not teaching, you know, I, I, I talk a lot about how this social justice version of social studies we've been teaching in high schools now for, for a generation rejects the idea of true American history and civics. Uh, and, and, and when you lose that, you, people don't know why America is special. And when you, don't, you can't defend your own country, then other ideas seem seductive because your, your country is flawed. And most people, haven't, especially leftists, haven't spent enough time traveling the world examining how people have, who have been subjected to tyranny, who have been subjected to collectivism, are utterly decimated by it and how special and fragile uh, free people really is. Chapter 14 is very compelling. Make the crusade great again. Explain to the American people what you mean by that. Yeah, what I, what I mean by that, well, the, 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 the chapter in front of it is, I think, just as important yeah, in the yeah. front lines. I talk about two things. One, what's the front lines of, being, uh, of fighting this fight? One, education. Education, education, education. We have to go back in, be aggressive as individuals, parents, grandparents, inside our schools. You think your school is, is, is immune to this? You're wrong. It's not inner city schools or rural schools or public schools or private schools. Most of them have been captured by an ideological left agenda. And then I, I use Israel as an example because if you don't understand why we should love, protect, cherish, and stand alongside Israel eternally, it means you don't understand the story of Western civilization, our biblical heritage, our history. So learning to love Israel is central to understanding why our fight is so centrally important. And then to make, uh, make the crusade great again is, it, is literally an application chapter. Okay, where do you start? How do you do it? Where, how do you get more aggressive than you have right now? It's not enough just to be a keyboard warrior. How do you take it to the next level, get involved where you can affect change, and, come, and, and use that Trump spine that you've built to really go out there and take on the left in a way that is convincing to people who wouldn't otherwise think that way and intimidating to leftists. You have to make them know you're not afraid of the names they call you. you will, you're, we're standing on an easy ground, which is America. They're the ones that have lost their minds. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you a, a footnote type question. Uh, voting by mail. Now, I listen to this, and this to me is sort of, uh, it crystallizes everything for me. You're a man who went overseas to defend your country. We just acknowledged about a million point three, and I would argue more, men and women who've died in uniform defending this country. Mm-hmm. You look at Arlington, which I visited visit from time to time. It's just, it's just heart-wrenching. Every time. 
You're telling me people can't get off their ass and go to a precinct and vote and show their face and their driver's uh, ID and their, and their birth certificate? That we have to keep making up excuses in a thousand different ways not to show up for vote? First of all, let me say this. Every time I was deployed, it's not clear my ballot ever counted. It, 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 it's not clear that service members overseas, their, their absentee ballots are ever, are ever counted on time. Mm-hmm. And yet we can't trust – we give out – in states with voter ID, they give out free identifications. Anyone can get one. All you have to do is prove who you are and be willing to show up. If there's one thing those men and women sacrifice for, it's for the ability for we the people to speak collectively at one time and vote for the leaders who are supposed to represent us. And yet we're supposed to trust politicians attempting to leverage a crisis to push ballots out to people where we can't do any quality control uh, at all. I mean, it, it, is, it is the seminal moment of this election cycle, standing against their attempts to do this. Fraud would indeed be rampant, and that's the reason why Twitter and others have targeted those posts of Donald Trump, because that's the one place they think they could still bring Joe Biden into the White House. Mm-hmm. Which is an amazing thing, isn't it? This is a guy that uh, basically doesn't even know how to chew his uh, his oatmeal in the morning. And <laughs> while and, and listening and, to yeah. his record player, Mark, listening to his it, record, it's player. an amazing. Pete, I, I really want to thank you. This is a fantastic book. Uh, the audience, my audience, is a really book reading audience. It's an audience that craves information and knowledge from really smart people like you. Where did you go to school? Unfortunately, I went to Princeton and Harvard, but uh, they've lost their way completely. There's no unfortunately. Those are very difficult schools to get into with a background like yours. So you have to be really, really sharp. And I just want people to know you're kind of like a renaissance man. You're a man who fought for your country. You're a man who went to Princeton, which to me is even more impressive than Harvard, but that's okay. And you went to Harvard. And here you are. You're not a professional broadcaster. By the way, neither am I. And and you wind up with with one of the top-rated shows on Fox. And you've written a fantastic book because you care about this country on all the platforms you're on throughout your life. I want to strongly encourage Levinites, seriously, and do it all right now. Go to Amazon.com, get your order of American Crusade, or fight to stay free. Look, if you're in difficult financial straits, I get it. But those of you who are interested in a good, a compelling read and, uh, and wonderful arguments for the upcoming election, this is it. American Crusade, our fight to stay free. Pete Haig says, thank you, my friend. Mark, you are too kind. You lead the way for us, truly the great one. Thank you so much. Well, you be well. Take care of yourself. He is a terrific guy and the kindest guy you can ever meet. And he doesn't have to be, he just is. But I'm telling you, this is a fantastic book. And I want to encourage you to get it. You got Father's Day coming up. I'll tell you, beat socks and a tie. I don't even like ties anymore. Uh, but something like this really is, uh, is, is very, very worthwhile. American Crusade, our fight to stay free. If you order it this evening, you'll probably get it tomorrow or the next day. I'll be right back. Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. 
More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Wasn't Pete Hegseth terrific? I'm telling you. And you're going to love his book. And for Father's Day, you can order now. You get a great discount. You'll have it on time. Perfect book. Perfect book. Now, this is not going to surprise you if you're a Levinite and you listen to this show regularly. Uh, This is from Reuters. New diagnoses of one of the deadliest cancers fell by one-third in March and April as U.S. physicians and patients halted appointments and screenings during the COVID-19 outbreak. I am telling you that the calamity is really not known yet. But the numbers will start to reveal themselves over the course of the year. You're going to see spikes in heart disease and strokes and cancer and all the rest of it. Not caused by the Wuhan China virus but because people didn't go in for treatments they didn't go in for diagnoses they didn't go in because they didn't have this virus research by the health data firm cancer diagnoses declined more than 32 percent Well, the number of performed colonoscopies and biopsies fell by nearly 90% from mid-March to mid-April compared with the same period last year. This is a healthcare disaster, Dr. Fauci. Colorectal cancer surgeries were down by 53%. The findings are particularly alarming because colorectal cancer is the nation's second leading cause of cancer deaths according to the American Cancer Society. Screenings have shown to be critical in curbing the disease. Since 1970, screenings helped to reduce death rates by over 50%, according to the American Cancer Society. If colorectal cancer is found early, the five-year survival rate is nearly 90%. And it goes on. And it is frightening. It is frightening what we've done. Not just to the health system but to the health of millions of Americans. It's frightening. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, all you folks out there who've helped so beautifully and make this country work. And I will see you right here tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. God bless. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. 